Did you ever stop and think why spend too much time just getting ready? Let me be honest. I don't know a single thing that I haven't done to make you notice me. Let me be real here. When I see you, my heart starts racing, but I don't know if I like this chasing and playing and waiting around. It's a shame that my hands start shaking. Welcome to Cardome Studio in Georgetown, Kentucky. It's April 23rd, 2021, Friday of the third week of Easter. And you are tuned in to Deacon's Discussions and Drinks. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Triple D, live from Cardome Studio in Georgetown for what we hope is a good, exciting discussion. I'm Deacon Tim Stout. I'm Deacon Dallas. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I did it again. <laughs> I'm Deacon Tim Stout. I'm Deacon Dallas Kelly. I'm Father Lingwin. Welcome to the show. Hey, if you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe, the bell, whatever you're watching on. Make sure that happens. Hey, tonight's guest... We're going right to the guest, Steve. You ready for that? Is Deacon Gary Rudemiller. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you. It's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Glad you're here. Yeah. Wet the bell. Wet the bell. Ring the bell. I Ring do. The bell. I do. Hold on. I got bell. Hold on. You ready? Ready. Hold, oh, hold on. I got to stop the music first. Am I like a novice tonight or what? Apparently. Have you all? Uh... <laughs> Gary Rudemiller. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. So we'll do a proper introduction here in a minute, but we're going to go to current events because that's what we do, right? We do current events. Who wants to go first? You I don't have one. Yeah, fishes. <laughs> well, that's not a current event. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, Gary, you want to, Gary's got a current event. You do? He he did. He studied for the show. He knows how this works. You. So yeah, I I um, I do have a current event. If anybody's been. Following what goes on with the uh, German Catholic Church, oh and yeah, the state of schism that is quickly approaching us. <laughs> it is a concern. Uh, one of the things I, I early on admired about Pope Francis is that he would allow us as Catholics to have conversations around controversial issues. Many many people have always thought, oh, the Catholic Church is very suppressive; they don't allow conversations, and Pope Francis would allow them, and I appreciated that. Um, but in the case of Germany, you wonder if it may have gone a little too far. Too much conversation, you think? Mm, too much, too much latitude given. Latitude pursuing given. the synodal approach. <laughs> yeah, it's a concern. How many Catholics are in Germany? A lot. <laughs> so, what is it to make sure our people know what you're talking about? Well, the German Catholic Church has always, 
In, in, in Germany, the, the government collects a church tax, and the Lutheran right. church is supported by this government church tax, and the Catholic church is supported by the government church tax. And, and so there, there is a dependency uh, on, on the, the church tax by these churches for their revenue. And citizens have the choice whether or not to, to pay the church tax. Many years ago, everybody would pay the church tax. That's not so much the case today. Uh, so what could be, what could be uh, at the root of some of the issue around the synodal approach and wanting to keep some of the progressive movements in, in, in the German culture um, in, in the church's stable, so to speak? Uh, it could be, could be some of the financial issues related to revenue loss from the church tax. Um, I'm not an expert on it, but the, the situation now with the, the German bishops pursuing the synodal approach, and, and, and Pope Francis has been discouraging it, um, but the progress in the synodal direction is a concern because if it progresses, it, it could lead to schism, and that would not be good for To, for to be more, more, more tangible and concrete, what are they proposing that Pope Francis needs to respond? Well, I, uh, you're asking me to give details that I'm probably not qualified to give, but you know, progressive social issues are things that are at the forefront here. Um, uh, giving uh, giving communion to divorced and remarried Catholics who haven't Man. had decree of nullity declared, uh, giving communion to non-Catholics, um, some of the LGBTQ issues, blessing uh, of same-sex same sex couples, marriage couple. Yeah, those are progressive issues that are f- are in the front and center of of what's going on in the German Catholic Church. And and there is a I don't know the name of it, but there is a lay organization that is aligned with the bishops pushing the progressive issues, and and I really don't know the de- degree to which the Catholics in Germany are separated uh, along lines. I don't know what level of 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 Catholics in Germany adhere to um, the longstanding tradition of the Church, and which are, are are pushing the progressive issues. I I don't know the split there, but it is a concern. It's a concern. For all of us, certainly. That'll be an interesting conversation. Yes. No, no controversial issues in the states related to any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dallas? That's right. It's That's just, right. No, just everything's hunky dory in the church in, in the U.S. Not. I just read, read something today where I'm going to get it wrong. Bishop Supich uh, wrote a letter to one of the bishops about his stance on uh, communion. I can't remember the specifics now, but it was interesting that he wrote a letter and then the bishop responded to him and basically clarified his position. But I guess that that happens all the time, right? Oh, yeah. Bishop communicate with each other. But but do they do it publicly all the time? Some decide to make more public uh, because the other bishop have already made a public statement. So this is create an an, public... uh, Controversial conversations. I, I, I want to make it more public address on that. Yeah, they do. They do. It seems like that they would get it figured out when they're meeting. <laughs> 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 I mean, I come at, and I know Gary does too. We'll talk about your background a little bit, but from a from a business perspective, from a manufacturing perspective, you always want to have this united front, right? You want to whatever your values are, whatever your position is. You might battle it out in the in the meeting room, the boardroom, whatever. But when you go out to the troops, they know where you stand. There's no there's yep. no controversy. But 
the church. No, for me, it's great. <clears throat> I think you have to look at this whole coronavirus, right? And everything, people kind of bogged down, crippled by this virus. Mm -hmm. Everything that we do, this kind of controversial is great from within the life of the church and say, uh-uh, there's a lot more important issues we want to deal with instead of this coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I excited. I read an uh, an article from uh, the Register, and they talk about this. They they talk about we have an opportunity by this coronavirus how to make things more exciting. You know, we 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 love to live upon prior to COVID. We live this the status quo, right? We have enough people go to church. Okay, mm -hmm. we worry about the budget. Great. People give money or not, great. But now we're going to face what? I ain't going to church anymore. Mm -hmm. You better do something about that. So it, it called us to go to the core, I think, of what how we excite people about Jesus Christ. And it's not the job of priests or deacons, but every one of us, mm -hmm. either from social media, the stuff that we are doing here, You know, I'll go to the bar and get people excited about it. You know, everything. And I think that's a big thing that we need to consider. You know, I think uh, this thought crossed my mind last week and called divine inspiration. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm just nuts. But there may be a, there may be a God at work in this coronavirus from the standpoint of, you know, we, we live in a technological world where levels of communication aren't so much verbal anymore. You know, you'll see people sitting at the dinner table doing this, and you'll see teenagers doing this, not talking to each other, but doing this to each other. And uh, we've lost that sense of communication. We've lost that sense of community. And, and, and what's happened since coronavirus has hit, I think right now people are thirsting for relationships. They're thirsting to be with exactly. other people. And maybe this is... The silver lining around this cloud called coronavirus is we now appreciate relationships. We appreciate conversation. We appreciate being with others in ways perhaps in the past we've taken for granted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think we see that. At, I think we see that at church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, we we have mass outdoors every Sunday. And at Easter, we had 500, 600. Well, Just a few oh. short from 600. 600. 596, and, something like that. You know, when you see those families that are – you know, six feet apart from other families and stuff. And when you say, let us offer each other a sign of peace and we bow mm -hmm. <laughs> and those families, they're hugging. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're, they're glad to be with each other. Mm -hmm. Right. That, yep. To me that, you know, that's just a small thing like we, what you're talking about, but there is a thirst. There is no doubt about it. Well, I also think it's helped people really appreciate the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. You know, we hear the, Maybe it was a Pew study that says 67% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence. They think Eucharist is a symbol. But uh, I really think when, when, as deacons and priests, when we are able to confer the sacrament to others, you can, you can see tears running down, running down their, their cheek. It's, it really impresses upon you how much they really have missed being able to receive the sacrament regularly. Yeah, there's no doubt. We're different from... Other denominations, right? Oh, yeah. Where, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that still haven't come back to church yet. We, when we try to invite people on this show to come back, there's the best time to come back is every day, right? So come back. If you're watching it, you haven't been back, come back. But there is this 
this thing that separates us from all the other denomination and it's just a little thing called the eucharist mm-hmm. and you know <laughs> just a little just thing. a little just, just a, little. a little just a little <laughs> thing and you know it 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 is something that that our our folks have yearned for and but there is there are a certain number of people that that haven't and maybe it's that 67 percent that the mm-hmm. pew studies talking about because there will be we talked about this the other day there will be a lot of folks that don't come back Simple as that. Right. For for me, the excitement, the opportunity, right? Because during the coronavirus, the number one criteria as the diocese, as as priest, bishop, deacon, we're going to concern about how to give out communion. Oh, believe me, there are plenty of people suggested, you know, we call it (laughs) communion dispenser. You remember that? Like a space saucer? And they sent it to me. And, and then, you know... Uh, communion in a bag, you remember? You know. Communion in a bag, communion in so, Yeah, the, somebody had like a... I'm going to use this beer bottle just because it's on the desk, but it was like a dispenser. Yeah, like dispenser. You, you, you push a button and it dispenses a host out of the bottom. Uh, <laughs> it's opportunity to catechize, right? It's wonderful. But, like, you make a comment, beautiful. You have seen it. I have seen it. Those who hunger mm. genuinely and... and for the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and that 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 a champion. Mm-hmm. You know where those people are. Those are the people that are out there in ten degree weather on yes. Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Those are the people out there when it's pouring down rain, and they've got a poncho on. And I'm not taking away from the people that aren't there during those times. I'm just saying that those those people have a thirst for the Eucharist. That is, you know, even beyond sometimes what I, I mean. Even what I feel sometimes, I, I've, I feel like, man, look at these, because we're we're under we're inside, right? We're in, we're underneath a inside a doorway. We're protected a little bit, but those folks that are out there, I mean, we're still Except freezing cold. The wind, yeah, we're, we're still <laughs> freezing cold. We're still frigid, but those folks are out there in the elements that are that are not in their cars, but because there's a good percentage of people that are in the cars, but they're sitting there in the elements. It's a, an amazing testament to their faith. I think. Now, for me, it's so amazing. I have never seen this, but those folks are the testament of martyrdom. Mm. You know, I call the modern martyrdom, or the, uh, or, or the first world martyrdom, if you will. They might not shed their blood for it, mm-hmm. but they're willing to stand sub-zero temperature, <laughs> yeah. and they want Jesus. Mm-hmm. They want nothing but Jesus in communion, and that is a huge testament to witness. Yeah. And it helps us to remember that that the focus of the mass is not the homily. The focus of the mass is the Eucharistic exactly. celebration. Yeah. Oh yeah. We can get in trouble for that. And now we've now been through all seasons, right? Outdoor <laughs> mass. We have. From blistering hot, where we're drenched in sweat, to three degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, we need to get the umbrella back out to cover the because the sometimes oh, just, the equipment overheats. It's just, so hot just, out there. Just so. every eye, gentlemen. Just be prepared. The cicadas is coming. Oh, oh yeah. We survived the fly. Well, we got the invasion of the flies. We got the, the last fly, two. but we have not faced the cicadas. Jerry, the last two time, two, oh, two weeks, two weeks, flies have been hatching. I mean, they're everywhere. The mic is covered with them. It, yeah, go back and watch some of the sun on the same Facebook page or Sunday Sunday masses on there. Bobby Lynn's homily, he's doing that the whole time. And if you look at right at the, there's a windscreen on the mic on the Ambo, and it's just like it looks black, but if you really look at it, it's all flat. It's moving. <laughs> 
all the joys of uh, we didn't plan for that in uh, yeah. in formation, did we? No. no. <laughs> so I remember I came back from my first year ordination, gave a talk to seminary. My talk it was had to do with expect the unexpected. You Amen. were there. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. You just you never know. We 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 always have something going on, oh, yeah. something different. You know, something from a technology perspective. You know, and we we set up. We think we set up everything the same way every time. And you, you same way with you, right? With the wind. You know, we're setting the ambo up. We're setting the altar up. The wind's blowing. We're covering Jesus because mm. you know we don't want Jesus blowing away. It's 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 a challenge. What are you all doing for mass? Inside, uh, we have um, regulations for social distancing and for mask wearing. Upstairs in the church proper, we can, between the choir loft, those of us in the sanctuary, and the people in the body of the church, we can fit, fit about 70 people plus or minus upstairs. And in the basement, we, we live stream down to a big screen TV in the basement. We can sit another 50 or 60 down there. So we can, we can get 130 or 140 per mass. And um, we have three masses each weekend, and at least two of the three we do have people down in the basement. And uh, the seven thirty mass on Sunday morning. Generally, we don't have people down there, but but over the last couple of weekends we've had more people coming. It's good to see at St. Luke's. It's good to see a number of people coming back. Truly, truly, it's good to see. Very, very good. And how many prisoners, roughly? Three hundred families, plus or minus. So about half our size. Then, mm-hmm. would you say? Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. Good mm-hmm. to hear. It is. Yeah, you got a new priest coming. Yeah. Yes, we do. Father John's only been with us two years. John Moriarty's going to the cathedral. Yes, He's he going is. to be the new rector. The rector. Well, we, we'll have to have a show about what that means, rector versus pastor. But <laughs> just to educate. That would be good. Yeah. So who's your new pastor going to be? Uh, Father Aldrin Tayag. He was ordained two years ago, a Filipino priest, and uh, I think he'll be a good fit for St. Luke's. Father John came in as a very good fit. We're going to miss him. Uh, in two years here, he's uh, really made a lot of friends and made a lot of impact. And, you know, uh, the parish had Father Bush for 30 years. And in Father Bush's last couple years, we had Father Ron Schmelzer, and then we have Father Nick Pagano, um, and then Father John. So my, my f- almost five years as a deacon, Father Aldrin will be my fifth fifth priest. Wow. Um, See how lucky you two yeah, are. Exactly. You have me. That's it. Exactly. I guess we are lucky, Dallas. <laughs> we never really thought of it that way, but uh, okay. Well, we we will miss Father John. He's been a very very good addition to St. Luke's, and we wish him the best of luck. At did you take him out to play golf yet? We played one time. Oh, that's one, one time. You have enough with him, isn't it? Well, no, I. I <laughs> Golf takes a lot of time, and I don't have a lot of time for golf. Although I would like to play more, but that's such a pastoral comment. <laughs> a couple of comments uh, from Janet. Great job, big brother. Hey. Oh, that's my sister. Janet. Oh, there you go. See, look, there you and go. from Michael Fowler, recent convert, and I joined for the Eucharist. Mike, uh, Mike, we had three candidates come in uh, this year. Mike was one of the one of the three, and a uh, real pleasure to have him in St. Luke's. So how did your Easter vigil go? Outstanding. How many how many people came into the church? Three. Well, to that night, uh, the third candidate uh, had a a move to Florida that happened a month or two sooner than she really expected. So uh, Father John brought her into the church uh, right before Lent, 
Uh, but she stayed with us through the rest of the RCIA prep. Uh, that, and she'll be with unusual. us during Mr. Goji. Um, so awesome. three, three candidates. Yeah. That's good. So let's close out current events since you started us with schism and we ended up talking about your new pastor. I don't know how that how that happened. <laughs> By the way, schism, I don't know how many of you know the band Tool. Tool. Haven't schism, heard of them. Schism is a fabulous song. Just go Google schism and listen to it. <laughs> schism, okay, I'm going to I'm I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to the band schism. Tool. Tool with the song schism. The band Tool. Schism. Dallas, you got a current event over there? No, I do not. Father Lynn? I already did. I incorporated okay. the uh, the article I read on um, on uh, you know. I, I was busy all day. Yeah. About yeah. What about the news out of the University of Kentucky basketball team? Yesterday? Oh wow! The, oh yeah. The of, the, uh, of, uh, I, Terrence I was, Clark. I was, out of, I was not around. What happened? So Terrence Clark, who you know, played this year, yeah. played this year, was uh, declared for the NBA draft, was killed in a traffic accident mm. yesterday in Los Angeles at the age of nineteen. Mm. God rest his soul. It's, you know, it's a, didn't have a seatbelt on. It's a tragic event. Just a kid who had a great smile. It seems like, you know, everything you hear about him is real positive, but, you know, life, life takes a lot of unexpected twists and turns sometimes, and you just never know when it's your time. You God's going to call you home. You so prayers for him and his family and the whole uh, University of Kentucky basketball <clears throat> uh, structure organization. So. Hey, uh, just if you got any questions, go ahead and put those in the comments. Dallas is in charge of the questions tonight. If you've got questions for Deacon Gary as we get going here, I'm going to do your formal introduction, and you can fill in a little bit. You sent me like – you sent me a really long introduction, so I'm not going to read all that. So I'm just going to go with what I think is I important. St- I stopped on page number seven. <laughs> I was like – Okay, I know a little bit about Gary now. Hey, Gary's a cradle Catholic, which is always good to know. He married his high school sweetheart, Doris. They've got three boys. I'm assuming they're all Catholic? Yes, and that's that's a blessing by God. They're all men of God. They fear God. They raise their family in the Catholic faith. We're very blessed. Yeah. Graduate of Miami University with a BS in paper science and engineering. Another engineer on the show. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Three engineers right here. Boom. <laughs> awesome. Gary also has a master's and a PhD in paper science. Where'd you get those at? Um, the uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin, for about fifty years up in Appleton, there was a graduate school dedicated to the paper industry, and about a hundred people. So it's not like the it. University of Wisconsin or no, something like that. No, it was that. called the Institute of Paper Chemistry. So I went oh. there and got my master's, and I got I was intending to get a PhD, but quite honestly, I got tired of school, so we went left and went moved to Virginia for three years, and then I got the itch, and we went back, and I got my PhD. And at that point in time, the industry, many of the headquarters were ended up in Atlanta, so they were moving the school from Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin, to Atlanta. But I defended my thesis the day before they closed the doors <laughs> in, in Wisconsin. So I got my master's from the Institute of Paper Chemistry, and I got my PhD, even though I finished all my work there. I got my PhD conferred by the Institute of Paper Science and Technology in Atlanta. Are Although you? I never set foot on Atlanta's campus. Are you a cheesehead? I'm a Packer fan. Okay. Yeah, Not a cheesehead. <laughs> uh, Do we call after you the Bengals? After the Bengals. Bengals first. <laughs> Bengals first. Do we call you Doctor Deacon or Deacon Doctor? You know, or Doctor Mister Deacon. Most most <laughs> Mister Doctor Deacon. <laughs> Call, call me for dinner. That's all. That's how come we didn't know this through formation? I didn't know he was a doctor. I didn't either. Because we'd have had a lot of fun with that in formation. Mm. You know that. You kept yeah. it a secret, didn't you? It's not important. <laughs> <laughs> Gary and Doris moved to Nicholasville in 2009 when Gary went to work for 
wasa wasa paper in the tissue business. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that because I'm interested in that. You may not be Dallas, but I am <laughs> interested in it. They're members of St. Luke and Nicholasville, and Gary was ordained a deacon in 2016, same time as uh, Dallas and myself. He's presently, I'm jealous here, semi-retired. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, and is the executive director of the Paper Science and Engineering Foundation at the Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. He has a consulting business, and he is part owner of the Benedictus Book and Gifts in Lexington. He's also the program chair for the Lexington chapter of Legatus. We'll maybe talk a little bit about that. Doris and Gary have been married for 38 years. Thank you for that. Yes. That's uh, that's a great vocation. Amen. And uh, they're expecting – I'm jealous here because I have two grandkids. You're expecting your 13th grandchild in November. Wow. Do you, mm-hmm. you have all their names locked in? I do. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show officially. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Very much Awesome. I, I don't know where to start there. I want to talk about paper. I don't know what you, what you guys want to talk about. I want to talk about paper. I want to talk about how he ended up being the, uh, his faith ordained as a deacon. Okay. Let's start there then. So you're, you're, you're Catholic, cradle Catholic. Did Moving. you ever fall away at all? I always no, ask cradle no. Catholics that. Um, God gives people different gifts, and my gift has always been a strong faith, even though I ne- couldn't necessarily explain it. I always knew that Catholicism was right. I always knew that it was God's gift, and and I never drifted. I missed three Sundays of church in my entire life, and three, all three of them were for travel. One was junior year of college. Four of us went up to the state of Maine to camp at Acadia. And four good Catholic boys, we got up Sunday morning, went into town for church, and we got there at 10 o'clock, and the Mass was at 9. And only one Mass <laughs> of the day. <clears throat> and then the other two were international travel. So I've always had a strong faith. And um, in the year 2008, 2007, Doris and I moved to Wausau, Wisconsin, and we joined St. Matthew's Parish, where Father Bob Thorne was the um, – was the pastor, and uh, a son of the parish was being ordained a transitional deacon over in Rome because he was going to the Pontifical North American College. So people from the parish were going over there, and we wanted to go to Rome, so we tagged along. We didn't know anybody, didn't really even know Father Bob, but sitting at breakfast one morning over there, he said, do you ever think of being a deacon? I said, nope. End of conversation. That's how it happens. Two and a half years <laughs> later, two and a half years later, at a Legatus dinner, we're sitting with Karen Root and Bill Root, and everybody knows that Karen's the director of liturgy and Bill's a deacon himself. And at that time, they were forming the class that we joined, and she said, you ever thought of being a deacon? I said, nope. She said, we got a class going right now. I said, that's not for me. Well, the, the last few days before the deadline... I filled out an application and submitted it just 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 to see the process. Now, I make decisions pretty quickly. When I make a decision, I go. Uh, my wife, Doris, isn't so, so much like that. She likes to process. And there wasn't time to process, so I filled out the application, and I told her after the fact, I've applied for the, the uh, aspirant senior for the diaconate. It, it took her about four <laughs> years to forgive me for that, but thank God she has. She's a blessed woman. And she could have said no at any time. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, for people who are listening, the in the in the formation process, the wife has to give her approval three times throughout that process before ordination. And uh, every time she did, thank you, Doris. In a in a handwritten note, has to be in a handwritten yeah. note too. Yeah. 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 So we couldn't fake it, right? We couldn't write it for them. Well, both Deacon uh, Tim and Dallas bribed their wife. <laughs> 
I do have evidence for and that. And we bribed him to that. sign the papers. Wait a minute. Exactly. I think he told us no, didn't he? He did tell us. I did us. say no. <laughs> you know, you got to get your pastor's permission, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we asked for our pastor's permission, right. and he said no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted to see if we were serious, I think is what see, it was. <laughs> so you, you go off to Rome. You, you you see some stuff over there, plants the seed, you get back, you're in Legatus, you plant another yeah. seed is planted, <clears throat> yep. you fill out the form, and then you get into it and you're you're like what? Wow? Or what did I get myself yeah, no. into? Because um, you know, Dallas will tell you when you hear Dallas is calling, his is his is a voice, right? You heard a calling. Mine's mm-hmm. not like that. Yours sounds like it's yours is more like mine than you Dallas's. Know, I've so. never had a two by four over the head kind of moment in my faith life. It's always been just a little urging or inspiration that over time germinates and foments and grows. And um, I remember when I talked to Bishop Gaynor and during our aspirancy year, I said, Bishop, how how will I know if I'm called to be a deacon? He said, You won't know until I lay my hands on you at ordination. And it was truly almost like that because it wasn't until probably about two months before ordination that I felt, yes, this is right. Up until that time, you're questioning, is this right for me? Am I supposed to be doing this? Because I wanted it to be a genuine call. Right. I mean, I, I'm subject to hubris. Okay, The sin of pride, is my that's my base sin, pride. And so for the first six months in aspirancy, I didn't tell anybody outside of my wife and Father Bush because I, I didn't want anybody patting you on the back saying, oh, good job, that's a good thing to do. No, that's that would be a, a false a false reason. I wanted to make sure it was a genuine call. And so during the entire process, you're just asking yourself, is this a genuine call? You spend five years asking yourself, is this a genuine call? And it wasn't until two months before ordination I felt, yes, this is a genuine call. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize that. that all, all the way through the process, right. you're, you have questions in your head, right? Yeah, I mean, we all did, right? But yeah. it's always call you to trust it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only piece that keep us alive is to trust it. Whatever will come will become, yeah, right? right. Yeah. If it's meant to be, God yeah, will make it happen. God will make it happen, yeah. Yeah, it's uh it was a challenge. I mean, we, you know, we all we both Dallas and I actually had a uh, an event through our through that process where we felt like the devil was attacking us, right? Right? Oh, Do you ever have one of those? Oh, me personally, no, but the devil the devil was after Doris. Okay. No doubt. I, we, I've got two or three examples of, of as we're approaching ordination, she had experiences. Our fire alarms, our fire alarms would go off always when I went out of town for business trips. Okay. And, and interestingly, uh, Father Ron Schmelzer, before he passed away, he had let me borrow um, the, the, six, the 12 CDs from the 2009 conference on, on – um, uh, deliverance ministry mm-hmm. that they had up in Mundelein, okay? And we listened to all 12 of those CDs. And on the very last CD is, among other, Father Bob Thorne, because he's, uh, we'll leave it, I can't tell that piece. <laughs> but also on that very last CD, a guy was talking about, yeah, and, you know, um, the, the people who were doing the wedding formation for the couples always liked it when our deacon class was in the parish center because things like fire alarms going off wouldn't happen. And that uh, hit us like a ton of bricks. Wow. Because, you know, fire alarms would go off in our house when I wasn't around and Doris was left to deal with it. She'd wake up at night and hear scratching on the screen. And so she'd go over and throw uh, holy water on the, on the screen, you know, just stuff like that. And so the devil was after her more so than me. You know, 
we've told our stories before, and it, it, it's it's real. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people look at you like you're crazy or something like that. But you know, you, you said CDs, and it. I remember uh, I had forgotten all about it. Uh, an event. Uh, one of the things that happened, and I'll go through it real quick because this is we're talking about you. But uh, uh, one of the things I remember when I felt called, I said, uh, uh, you know, I can't even convince. My wife, and I mean, I literally had a conversation with God. I can't even convince my wife of the Catholic faith, and and you're calling me to the diaconate. Mm-hmm. Well, within a few days, she came to me and said she wanted to become Catholic. Awesome. But she said when she asked me that, she said, "Do you have any CDs I can listen to?" Well, I've got tons of CDs. Okay, <laughs> that's books and CDs. So I gave her a, a big stack of CDs, and she would listen to them in her car. But she started putting the first one in her car, and the second one. She came to me and she said. They're all blank. There's nothing on them. Oh, my. So I went out in her car. Every CD I gave her was blank. Oh nothing. My. No words, just yeah. total silence. You know, I had to go order a bunch, a whole bunch more CDs. Well, you know, people, people, people wow. think that uh, the, the devil is, is a fabrication, right, of people. Uh, there's no such thing as a devil, but that ain't true. There are such things as a devil. One of the things I enjoy in my diacon is being able to go bless people's homes. And there are a lot of funny things going on, rooms that get cold, things falling off the of shelves, uh, stuff flying through the air. And, and I have had people tell me after I've blessed their homes, weeks later, that stuff has stopped. And it just, it just conveys to me the power that we as, as clergy, clergy, as ordained clerics who have been given faculties by God, right? Uh, we, do have, we do have the ability to help people who are in dire straits with spiritual issues. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a powerful reminder of what we've been given in accepting this vocation. That's awesome. It's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a powerful thing. When you witness it, right, when you go through it, it just – it's scary. Mm-hmm. Really, it is. But you've got to have, uh, you have your faith to fall back onto and, and know that, that God's going to provide for us. Always. So faith journey. What else we need to talk about on your faith journey? So you're called, you're you're getting ready to experience your fifth year, right? We're getting ready to come right. up on number five. June, June be five 4th, years. June four. Uh, what's the most exciting thing about your ministry? The things that's I, I there are some things I really do enjoy. Um one is being able to help people along the sacramental journey. Not all Catholics. Uh, receive sacraments on time, right? I mean, I have helped uh, an adult man about 40 years old who never received confirmation. I helped him go through the process to be confirmed. Couples who have been married civilly, but not sacramentally. In the United States, we get married in a Catholic church, and that counts for civil and sacramental marriage. But in countries like Mexico and the Cameroons, you get married civilly, and then you have to go get married in the church. Well, sometimes they don't make it to the church for a variety of reasons. So you get to do the marriage preparation and, and convalidate their marriage. Uh, so that kind of sacramental prep is is joyful because you see how much it means to people. Um, I enjoy serving the Hispanic community at St. Luke's. We have a Hispanic community. Um, you know, in high school, I took three years of Spanish, and that was forty years, forty five years ago. And I spent the last three or four years slowly relearning it so that I can. And be minimally oh, Gary, here we you, go. Here we go. Could you, here we could go. you make sure pass it on to my deacons? <laughs> and they somehow kind of wash away from that responsibility. They, they have well, no accountability. But, you know, I, I, people, people who are our age, um, 
in the Hispanic community, people our age aren't going to spend a lot of time learning English. People our age aren't going to spend a lot of time learning Spanish. Had I not taken three years of Spanish and remembered how to pronounce the words, remember how to read them, I had to relearn what the words meant. But I hadn't lost the fundamentals, so it made it less cumbersome for me yeah, there to you get go. back in the group. Yeah. But they both are. You know, I never lost. I could learn. well-educated people. I'm yeah. French. You know how hard – French. French, Spanish, pretty much similar. Very similar. Right? Very similar. Pretty much not the same thing. You know how bad my memory is. Oh, There's yeah. no way I can learn no Spanish. So do you preach in Spanish? See, Wow. I have to read it. Right. I, I write it in English, I translate it, and I read it uh, because I – I, I don't I don't even give homilies in English uh, off the cuff. I rehearse them because, um, you know, when when you when you're taking pastoral responsibility for the faith of the community, you want to make sure you don't slip up. And I'm no expert in the Catholic you know, Gary, faith. We have an integrate program here called preaching sharing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you can come here to preach in Spanish, and I sent Deacon Tim over there just speaking English. <laughs> it just started tonight. This is, this is the first time we're doing it. <laughs> and then the last thing, that there's one other thing I really do enjoy about being a deacon is that um, at the Easter Vigil Mass, I love to sing the exalted. Oh, oh, I do too. He won't ever let me sing it, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I, no one would mis- mistake me as an opera singer. Uh, but my voice is good enough to sing the exalted, and I'm singing it. that <laughs> Deacon Gary, I'm telling you, the last time we have a a vigil, of course, we all have a program. I always type out what you all want to do, and I say, exalted. One of your deacons, go ahead and do it. Guess what? My answer will receive nothing. No one answered. That well, means- uh, Deacon John did two years ago. Deacon or three years ago. Deacon Skip did it two years ago. And now Deacon Tim and Deacon Dallas. I did it last year. You did? Yeah. Yeah, Tim, he recited it. He didn't know. <laughs> I didn't chant it. He didn't chant it. <laughs> I can recite it anytime you Man, want. Man, Gary, to. I didn't know you were going to blow us up with the exalted chanting awesome. and Thank Spanish. Thank you for witness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. But Thanks exalted, so basically, it's a role <laughs> well, of the know, deacon, right? It is. Yes, it is. Yes. But also, you know, on, on the Hispanic community, one thing I think is important for people to think about what I have experienced. No matter how how good your Spanish is or not, the community appreciates being reached out to. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. And Father John, one of the things that Father John has done marvelously in his time at St. Luke's, he doesn't speak a lick of Spanish, but he comes, he greets the people, and he'll talk to them. And they, I don't know if they understand what he's saying, but they appreciate <laughs> the reach out. And so we have we have a rotation of priests every month to do the, the to do the Spanish mass at St. Luke's. The first. The first Sunday of every month is Father John in English. So he'll do all of his parts in English, and we'll do all the other stuff in Spanish. We'll proclaim the word in Spanish. I'll preach in Spanish, but everything that the priest does is in English. And then the other the other th- three or four Sundays, we have we have priests come and speak in Spanish. But the community loves the Mass English-Spanish. It's not truly bilingual, uh, but Father John does his parts in English. Everybody else responds in Spanish. And and that's a favorite mass for a lot of people. Because, the willingness, because the willingness, the willingness, the willingness to reach. Because out. I remember Father John came to me. There was a push. It's amazing when a bishop can speak Spanish. All of a sudden, everybody feels they have to speak Spanish. And Father John came to me one day. I said, John, listen. None of us have a gift to speak a second language, so don't worry about it. The genuineness of who you present, who you are, mm-hmm. that's when people love you. Yep. So John exercised. I'm glad he's doing that. I'm glad he exercised that. 
And, you know, don't worry about it. Just being there, you know? Who? What other deacons are over there with you? Um, right now, David James. He was just uh, ordained a deacon last June. So when I was ordained, <clears throat> shortly after I was ordained, we had a, a fourth deacon incarnated. So we have four deacons for about the first year and a half. And then within a six-week period, we went from four to one. So for two and a half years, I was the only deacon until David got ordained last June. So it's nice to have a second deacon available. Well, you know, we're going to start a new program too because since – well, we're going to send our pastor. He speaks Spanish. We'll send him over there, and you send your pastor over to do <laughs> mass in English over here. How about that? We're going to start these programs. Let's start them. Let's do it. <laughs> well, you, you new pastor, he can speak yeah, Spanish. Father Alden speaks Spanish. Yes. So. Yeah. He and he's a young guy, right? Just mm-hmm. been more ordained a couple of years. I, th- it, I think I ran into him a few times up at St. Minor when I was working on my master's. Is it, was he a St. Minor? Yes, yeah. he was yeah. a yeah. St. Good guy. Good guy. So I think you guys are going to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. So good. How, how's Father John going to be as a rector at the cathedral? Only God can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's not me. It's, you don't want that job, do you? Uh-uh. Is that one of those jobs that nobody wants just because it's just such so big a parish and <clears throat> no, it's just spotlight. yeah, it's not big as a parish, it's just so much headache, you know. Yeah, yeah, enough said about that. Let's let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Hey, let's let's talk about the paper business. And I'm going to give a tie in here because we just had Earth Day, mm-hmm. and it just occurred to me as I was preparing my notes for this that paper is is like the original recycled product, isn't it? Absolutely. So tell us about paper. Well, let's talk. How, how's that for a lead in? <laughs> you know, the, the, the paper industry for many, many years has, has been woefully poor at marketing itself. Okay. But if you stop today and take a look at the concept of sustainability, environmental stewardship, um, people wanting to ensure that, that the world is here 50 years from now, right? So that their grandkids can enjoy it. Cellulose fiber, fiber comes from trees, right? And it's it's a it's a natural raw material that you replant, you regrow it, it's replenished. So you don't have to worry about uh, trees running out. In fact, today there are, um, I'm probably going to get the number wrong, but it's like 18 million more acre, uh, more hectares printed, uh, planted today with trees than uh, back in 1990. Okay. So we're planting a lot of trees. And if you think about it, uh, any paper company or forestry company has to take care of their raw materials. So they are going to be responsible about planting and, 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 and harvesting in a sustainable fashion. There are certification agencies that validate the, the, the stewardship of, of the forests by how the trees are planted and harvested. And there's a chain of custody all the way through the paper produced on the reel of the paper machine for all that fiber. So from an environmental standpoint, in terms of uh, sustainability, in terms of responsibility and stewardship of the forests, chain of custody for the fiber, uh, water treatment, water goes back into the rivers cleaner than it comes out in many places, uh, energy usage because integrated paper mills generate almost all of their energy through, the, through uh, burning off the, the portions of wood that don't turn into fiber. And then in, in the year 2019, of the millions of tons produced in the United States, 68% of those tons were recovered and used as recycled paper. Wow. So uh, a cellulose fiber can be reused seven times before it loses its strength properties. So in terms of, of sustainability and environmental stewardship, the paper industry is w- better positioned than probably any other industry in the United States. Is this probably recycled paper? Uh, no, that would be 100% virgin right there probably. How can you tell? 
by by the application of the paper. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, this is a reprographic paper, and and unless there are government mandates for recycled usage in this type of product, there's probably not going to be much recycled fiber at all. So when we were going through formation, you were working at uh, Wasaw. <laughs> Wasaw. What were you guys making there? Um. So I was uh, VP of operations for that business unit, and I had the, the facility in Harrisburg, Kentucky, and in Middletown, Ohio. Middletown is where we made the parent rolls on two paper machines, shipped them down to Harrisburg. It was, a, at that time, just a converting facility. But then in 2010, 11, 12, we did a $210 million expansion down there and put a, a new uh, world-class structured tissue machine down there. So, so tissue those two paper. sites. What's tissue, tissue paper? Tissue and towel. Okay. Yeah, tissue and towel. Yeah. What's tissue paper? What's tissue paper? Do I need to explain that to you? No. <laughs> but it's not like toilet paper. Right? Well, it's no, not no, like tissue is toilet paper or yeah. facial. See, there you go. There you go. There How you about go. that? Isn't paper cool? I mean, it is. If you think about this, uh, in in your everyday life, you have paper all around you. You got paper in that book. We got paper here. You got toilet paper. You got uh, microwave popcorn bags. You got for those people who still look at. Newspapers, you've got the Amazon cardboard boxes that come to you. You've got painter's tape. You've got the the, the baking paper, the parchment, the pan liner that, that, that the bakers bake on. Uh, you you got the, the, the pad that the, the, your, your butter pad sits on a piece of paper. You just paper is all over the place. But people don't think of that until they really stop and look. Labels, there you go. It's a paper coated label. one side label on that. You know, it's, I'm not going to want to change the paper professional to a comment, we have to bring up Benedictus. I love Benedictus. Thank you. When we love you, you know, thank you. But there, there is, there is uh, issues that I brought up eight years ago. And I say, why Benedictus not run a paper business for all schools, all parishes in the Diocese of Lexington? Supply paper. Oh, supply paper. And I, I brought it up. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, it's never going anywhere. Well, the the margins for that would be very slim. You know, there wouldn't be much money to be made. It's like school uniforms. For years, Benedictus handled school uniforms, and then when, when, when the present ownership team bought it from the diocese, um, at that time the 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 clothing had already moved out, and we looked at taking it back on. But there's no margin there, and and it's hard. It's hard for a struggling business to to take on a huge volume of low margin. Um, it's just it was just not worth the headache at that low of a margin, actually. So, Benedictus, what what should parishes be buying? What should individuals be look to be buying from Benedictus? Everything that's Catholic, everything. And so, let's tell the story of Benedictus. Um, that's a good story. I think Bened- I think this is year twenty five, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, twenty five years ago, Jim Cloud started Benedictus over on. Richmond Road, and then it moved to Moore Road for a number of years, and moving in our present location on Southland Drive here. The diocese moved there, I think, about eight years ago. Um, and and uh, the, the 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 Catholic book and gift store, it is not a retirement plan. It's a tough business. You know, think of it. Ten years ago, in this city, there were six or seven, maybe eight, Christian brick and mortar book and gift stores. Okay, that that many, yeah. yeah. In November 2019, Lifeway Christian closed their doors over near Fayette Mall. At that point in time, Benedictus was the last brick-and-mortar Christian-type store. Now, we are authentically Catholic. When when the president ownership team took it over from the diocese in June 28th of 2017, 
uh, it was important to us to keep it authentically Catholic. So, and and now that Lifeway closed, some some of the non-Catholic churches do come to us for business. So we we will we will we will stock some communion cups for them, but we won't stock a King James Bible because that's going to be too confusing for our Catholic clientele. We are a Catholic store, and we will service other Christian denominations, and they do. They'll bring in their Bibles and ask us to emboss the name on the cover of the Bible, and we'll do that. Uh, but you, you, won't, you won't come in and be confused over what denomination this store is. We're authentically Catholic. So about 35% of our business comes from uh, the parishes and the other 65% from patrons. And um, you know, we were proud to say in the year 2019 – we got the store to break even. Okay, it was, it was a money loser, but we cut our cost by over thirty percent in the first two two and a half years. We cut our cost by over thirty percent. We raised our revenue by fifteen percent to get to break even. And then here comes COVID. Right, we just gotten to break even. Here comes COVID. So last year was extremely difficult. And you know, at our our January meeting of our ownership team. Uh, you know, I commented from my perspective, 2020, the fact that on January 1, we still had a business was a miracle. It was a miracle um, because the whole whole time throughout the year, I'm thinking, boy, how are we going to survive this year? We have lost so much business. The communion wine business Dead. essentially disappeared. Mm-hmm. The church candle business cut by 30%. Um, you know, so that 35% of our business well, I'll tell you this. Our total sales from 2019 to 2020 dropped 18%. So we had gotten to break even, and in that one year, our total sales dropped 18%. But our cost didn't go down 18%. Cost is still there. Right. Uh, we survived by managing our costs very tightly, by managing our inventory very well, because you don't want to tie a lot of cash up in inventory, mm-hmm. and then the PPP monies. Those are the reasons that we made it. And, and this year... Um, you know, the, the, the start of the year hasn't been as robust as we would like. Church business is starting to come back. I don't think we'll ever see the communion wine come back. I just don't. I don't think people are going to feel comfortable receiving from the cup. You know, the precious blood of Jesus in the cup, uh, you know, with the COVID situation and germs, I just don't see, I just don't see that. Uh, the candle volume we would hope would come back. Uh, the other thing we started, we instituted back in 2018 and through 19 is what we call peripheral parish sales. Um, you know, for somebody out here versus somebody at Mary Queen, Mary Queen person is likely to go to the store. Somebody right. out here is not going to drive that far. So, uh, as you guys know, a couple times a year, we would bring the store here at weekend masses. And we would do that for like 19 par- uh, tw- 11 parishes that are what we call peripheral to Lexington. And that generated a significant chunk of revenue increase for us. So that was part of the revenue growth. That stopped last year as well. So we want to reestablish that as people get comfortable with, with um, uh, social interaction again. So we, 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 we think – I think last year was a miracle. This year I think it's going to start getting better as, as churches begin to reopen and people's lives begin to recoup. And, you know, some people just don't want to come into the store, right? They don't want that social environment. So as that stuff begins to recover – um, we, we're hopeful that that uh, the future of Benedictus is 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 going to be there. Those of the seven and the seven couples that invested invested to keep this ministry open for the diocese. That's important. I want you to tell that story. Yeah. How Benedictus was about to shut down, <clears throat> and as there were seven business partner, right, 
want to to buy Benedictus not to be prophet, but want to make sure the Catholic and entity or identity yeah. or stay. I think that story very significant. Well, there, there's no there's no retirement plan in right. owning one of these stores. Um, it was a number of months ago. I was talking to one of our suppliers out on the West Coast, and I don't talk to many of our suppliers. Patrick O'Manny, our store manager, handles all that. But I was talking to him, and he said, you know, every month another Catholic bookstore somewhere is closing down. He said, every month I lose another uh, customer of mine. And uh, the fact that we're working so hard to keep it open is important. So our mission when we took over the store was to keep it open. That's it. Just keep it open. So each of us invested a chunk of cash to buy the store from the diocese and have working capital. And, you know, if that working capital runs out, then we have one of three decisions. Either we put in more money, we look for another buyer, or we close the store. But our conviction is to keep the store open for the Catholic community. There are many dioceses in our country larger than Lexington that don't have this kind of a ministry. Exactly. They don't have it. Now, I say ministry. It used to be a ministry of the diocese. It is no longer. When when we bought the store from the diocese, it was no longer a ministry, but Bishop Stowe did give us an ecclesial approbation, which means with, with, the, with the support of the bishop of the diocese of Lexington. So we are an ecclesial approbation. Um, which is, you know, in my mind, just just uh, we're, we're doing the same thing. We're just as good as being a ministry. We're providing the same service, the same ministry, and we very much value our our patrons and our parishes who bring their business our way. Uh, we're here for the community. We're here for the community. All right, and uh, we we all we all feel very committed to that. The the seven couples that own the store, we all feel very committed to that. I, I think it's very important to 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 talk about that. I, I think our people. Need to understand, this is a ministry. Yeah, you know, for for me, so many times I call Benedictus a simple, you know, the the grotto, right? Mm-hmm. The grotto, the the beautiful image of the Virgin Mary. There was no Mary was there, which been removed. When we tried to bring her back, there was a donor offer, and instead tried to search for it. Guess what I call? Mm-hmm. I call Benedictus. Yeah. I say, okay. Find me a perfect Virgin Mary image, okay? At this price, help me out. You know, within within two hours, Patrick called back and said, I have this for you, Father, to consider. Mm-hmm. And it's so beneficial. You know, how many people always ask me and say, I want to buy some stuff for my uh, my grandkid, First Communion. Uh, do you know where to recommend? I say, call Benedictus. Where? Mm-hmm. Benedictus. The Catholic bookstore. Mm-hmm. It's more than bookstore. Everything you need. Books and gifts. And gifts. Everything yep. is right there. You know, the other day, I want to buy a gift for a friend, you know, celebrate her birthday, and she's looking for an image of St. Francis. I call Patrick up there. Patrick, I need Francis outdoor. Bam. He got it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go anywhere far. I don't want to get on my Amazon account and hope this image going to look right or not, you know. But there it is. I think it's so important. Well, it is. And and people um, can call the store, Patrick, Elizabeth, Joel. They know how to find anything you want. Uh, they got many outlets to source things. Now, if people want to shop price, they'll go buy it off of Amazon. But if they want to support this store so it's here for this diocese, 
they'll, they'll, they'll patronize the store. You know, when you, you, you come in off the street, you carry the stench of the world with you. When you walk through that door into Benedictus, you are in a holy place. Exactly. You're in a holy totally place. Totally agree, yes. And then the music in the background sets the right atmosphere, all the, the holy art around, the Catholic books, the crucifixes. You know you're in a holy place. And so where, where is located now? What, how, how people get in there? Uh, in their car. <laughs> 408, 408 Southland Drive. Um, and you go see Patrick, right? Patrick, how long has Patrick been there? Uh, 22, 23 years. Yeah. Great, great guy. Yeah. So the store, interesting, we've got the Catholic bookstore. And as you're looking at the store, to the left is the liquor store. And to the right is the Muslim food store. So we're 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 uh, right there in, uh, in very ecumenical spirit. There, there you go. We can do a lot well, of I don't catechizing. Know. I don't know if the liquor store is ecumenical. That's pretty Catholic. <laughs> we all Catholic. They're good neighbors. They're, they're the, all the, both sides are good neighbors. Good how, neighbors. how do you spell Benedictus? B e n e d i c t u s. Okay, Benedictus. Is it Benedictus.com or Benedictus.com? We have we have a website. It's it's really informational only. It's not a commercial website. It's BenedictusKY.com. BenedictusKY.com. Make sure you post that for all people. Yes, BenedictusKY.com. And, and we do put out a flyer every week and sometimes twice a week, a constant contact flyer. If anybody's listening and they would like to be on our email list to receive these flyers, where we do advertise some of the items we have special for that week, uh, please call the store and leave your email address. Can they sign up online for that? Actually, you can. If you go to the, if you go to the website benedictusky.com, and uh, within five seconds a, 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 a thing pop will up. pop up, put your email address in. That'll come to us, and we'll put you on the email list. Yep. Support the Catholic bookstore. I mean, as simple Book, as that. Books right? and gifts. Books right? and gifts. Just, Thank you. It's, it's a bookstore, but it's more than that. It's a gift. And it's, it's you know, Catholic, interestingly, right? books is only about twenty percent of our business. Yes. Wow. So it's it's everybody always says Benedictus books, but it's Benedictus books and gifts. We got jewelry, we got home decor, we got artwork, we got all the sacramental. I need items. an alb, right, Dallas? You got? We got albs. It's need, a beautiful I need, place. I, I you like tell I say, me my alb was filthy, <laughs> dirty. Remember? Two weeks ago, I went there visited. It was very beautiful. Mm. It's worth going I in. Need, well, you know, <clears> I uh, need Deacon my, shirts. I'm, we do have some. We do have some. Uh, in stock, but if you have to order them, we'll get them too. But you know, my wife and I travel across the United States, and we'll go to cathedrals and shrines, and we're always going to their bookstores and uh, their gift shops. and And I will tell you, of all the places we've been, Benedictus shows better than any of them. Totally, any of them. I totally agree. And you know, if Judy Paternostro is listening, she's a volunteer who uh, helps Patrick decorate the store, and it's always well done. Well done. We have had all of our masses out outdoors. We've been through all those seasons. And Dallas just told me last week that my album was horrible. Yeah, I think you said it stunk, didn't you? It, it looks terrible. It needs cleaned. I got news for you. <laughs> so does yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, it does need clean. Yeah. So we're going to patronize uh, Benedictus. Thank you. Patrick is where I've got – we got all of our albums to start with, right? Yep. They took care of us at ordination and uh, – we haven't burned a lot of candles because we keep trying to, and they keep blowing. The wind keeps blowing them out. <laughs> so we no, try. we have candles still burning at church. church we have yeah, votive yeah. candle. We are very yeah. faithful. Support Benedictus. We Tom like and host all our host. The only problem is that Benedictus needs to understand. You know our sacristan. It's very demanding. When you sell 
a seven-day candles, mm-hmm. be prepared to serve exactly seven days. <laughs> If six days, three hours, eight minutes, it doesn't count. Well, as a matter of fact, I've, Patrick and I have had that, that Exa- conversation. Okay, yeah. you do understand. <laughs> so we are very diligent on that matter. Yes. www.benedictusky.com. Please support the local Thank Catholic you. bookstore and gifts. Thank very Benedictus. good. Very Absolutely. Important. Hey, man, thanks for coming. Is it over? You've been going an hour. Do you Can believe we that? keep going? We're going to get saying of the day. We're gonna, let's, we'll we'll take a little day. break. We're going to do a saying of the day, saying the day. and then uh, then we'll come back and wrap things up. How about that? Yeah. We'll, we'll go into extended play just for you, Gary. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for April 23rd. Today we celebrate St. George. For all the fame and affection accorded him as the dearly beloved patron saint of England, St. George remains pretty much a mystery to us. The story of his slaying the dragon, rescuing the king's daughter, and converting Libya appears to flow from an old Italian fable. But there's every reason to believe that he was a real martyr who suffered at Lydda, in what is now part of modern-day Israel, probably before the time of Constantine. It's likely George was a soldier in the Roman army who met a violent death after refusing to renounce his Christian faith. Some accounts have his martyrdom in the year 307. It may be momentarily disappointing to learn that today's saint didn't, as best as we can tell, attack a menacing dragon on behalf of a damsel in distress and then convert the entire country. But it's far more important to learn that he was willing to pay the supreme price through martyrdom to follow Christ. Whether it's the legendary saint or the real one, St. George has captured hearts and minds far beyond England. He's also the patron saint of Portugal, Germany, Aragon, Genoa, and Venice. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. St. George, Slayer of Dragons. Amen. That's pretty cool, man. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean... What other church has something like that? Come on, dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. <laughs> it's it's good to be it's good to be Catholic, <laughs> right? Thanks. Oh, it yeah. sure is. Hey, we got one other thing. We'll we'll, we'll come back to you in just a second, Gary. You got to punch up eight camera eight uh, with video. This is the fishing report. Let's see how this. <laughs> let's see how this goes. Can we hear that? You hearing that? You're not hearing that. Let's see. <laughs> this is the fishing report. We're gonna we're gonna get it dialed up. Dallas is just talking right now. Well, we're here at the lake, or right outside the lake. I'm going to stop at this local uh, small grocery store to get me uh, some minnows. Got to get a thing of minnows on the mostly crappie fish today, but it's a beautiful morning. Sunrise coming up. Look at that sunrise. (laughs) It's beautiful. Going to have a great day at the lake, do some crappie fishing, and I'll check in once I'm in the lake. Well, we made it to the lake. It's about 
Uh, we'll get started here in a second. Hope I have a good day and I'll report back. Talk to y'all in a bit. Dallas, we need to work on your video. We need to work on your video skills. Well, I've been here about an hour. I've caught about 10 or 12. And my fishing skills, too, right? Crappie. I think this one might be a keeper. I'll check back in in a few minutes. <laughs> we try Checking to get in again. Uh, caught a decent bass. Man, it's a good bass. They, uh, we try to get Father Lynn go with us. He, he don't want to go with us. I caught 10. Uh, Not too small to keep, is it? Yeah. That one is. Maybe 15 yeah. now, 16. But caught a decent bass. I'm going to let her go. You have to let it go. That's decent. That's too small. That's 14 inches. Is that 14 or 12? I'll 14. check in. I measured it. Well, we're coasting in, idling in to put the boat on the trailer. <laughs> Were you Still by yourself? caught about yeah. 15. It is. It's hard doing all that by yourself. Just an okay day. Nice day to be out on the lake, though. We'll talk when we get up to the top of the ramp. That was it. That was it. <laughs> that. That was this morning. That was for J Jason Barry. That was the. That was a real fish. Didn't catch report. many of that, but last week we caught about one. Time, I went with Tim. We caught. I don't know how many we caught. Fifteen or twenty, something like that. Twenty, and then a few days before that, I caught seventy-five. So, you know. You give me five. I don't know where I put it. You don't know what you did with it. Yeah, uh, I'm still looking for it. <laughs> you're, they're probably in your trunk or the back of your truck. You'll be finding them in a day or so. <laughs> Just follow the smell. Hey, Gary. Hey, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. We're going to have you back. And yeah. and maybe we can work out this thing with Legatus you talked about. Yes, I think that's absolutely. a I think it's a great idea. Yep. You know they bring in good speakers. Yes, they do. I the, know that they we might be able to have one of those people on the show. Maybe we take could. the show on the road, do a pre recording or something exactly. like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great idea. Um, but we'll have you back too. That's a lot of fun. Thank yeah, you. we we we'll want to hear how your new pastor's doing. Yes. Yeah. So yes. and see if uh, he cuts your Spanish speaking uh, requirements down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, if you're watching this, we ask you to go to ssfj.org to uh, support our ministry. Uh, we want you to support Benedictus at benedictusky.com, but go to ssfj.org to support our ministry. Uh, this is only possible because of donations on all of our ministries. So <laughs> if you're not following us on Facebook, do so. All those people that Gary told about watching tonight, hit the like button, like the video, like Saints Francis and John, uh, we are a ministry of of Saints Francis and John. So, and tell your friends if you like what you hear. Hey, and if you want to re listen to it, listen to it on your favorite podcast app. What's your favorite podcast app? Who me? Yeah. Do you listen to podcasts? I do. Do you use iTunes? No. Only Just when people send it to me. Spotify, <laughs> Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, Amazon Music. We're on all of them, so you're you're going to be immortalized. You know, Amen, brother. We've only had one show that we had to take off the air, and that was because of an FBI agent. So, <laughs> we had to take that off. So, uh, 
Hey, would you do us a favor? Yes, sir. Would you give us a blessing to send us on our way? I'd be honored. That would be perfect. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, all that is good comes from you. Inspire us with the Holy Spirit so that we can be good witnesses, courageous witnesses, faithful witnesses to a world in such desperate need of good Christian values. Help us to be like St. George the Dragon Slayer as we face the dragons of our world today. Give us your inspiration and help us to live the life that you've called us to live. Help us to accept the vocation to which you called us. And in your name I bless. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Great show, guys. Until next, until two Thank weeks you, from now, I'm Deacon Tim. I'm Deacon Dallas. I'm Father Lingwin. Who are you? I'm Deacon Gary. Deacon Gary Ruta Miller. Thanks again. Thank, Thank you. you. Did you ever stop and think why spend too much time just getting ready? Let me be honest, I don't know a single thing that I haven't done to make you notice me. Let me be real here. When I see you, my heart starts racing, but I don't know if I like this chasing and playing.